With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, Denver Broncos fans? This is Kevin Gillikin. You're listening to the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Um, obviously, the big news this week in Broncos country is that Emmanuel Sanders was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. That is pretty much what I predicted would happen. Now, I'm not the next uh, football Nostradamus of any kind. That was fairly predictable. I think a lot of people were saying they're one of the options, and it just made sense because the GMs have a good relationship. They're friends, John Lynch and John Elway. Uh, It's a winning team that needed a wide receiver. It all makes sense. So Sanders goes there, and as as well as a fifth-round pick for a third and a fourth from San Francisco. Now, since the Broncos are going to be bad, and San Francisco is going to be one of the top teams, at least it appears so to this point, since they're six and zero. That fourth and fifth are not going to be that much different. They'll be about you know ten spots different or so. So it's really practically Emmanuel Sanders for a third, and I think that's that's a pretty fair price. I mean, he's an older veteran guy who struggled with injuries this year. That that's why they say he didn't play the end of the Tennessee game. That's at least the claim. <coughs> Sanders says it was because of his knee. Um, there are rumors because he kind of didn't want to play anymore, but I, I think it's the case that it, he was banged up. I don't think Sanders is a guy who's going to give up on anything. I really don't believe that. I don't think he ever has. I don't think he ever would. Um, I really respect the guy as a player. I think he can be a, maybe a bit of a nuisance in a locker room. I don't think he's a cancer of any kind, but I think he is a vocal, honest dude, which I respect. I think he's got a long future ahead of him in in media once he's done playing. He will absolutely be a broadcaster, color commentator of some kind. I have no doubt. I mean, the, the dude looks good. He sounds good. He's got good opinions. Um, I think that just can get you in trouble every now and then in the locker room. And when things are going bad, those are the kind of guys that I think 
you know, they're your veterans, they're your leaders. And, and if they're not feeling good, eh, I think things can go downhill. And I have a feeling that happened in Denver. Now, I respect that it sounds like Sanders went to Elway after the game, talked to him personally and said, hey, look, you know, this isn't working. Elway said, yep, it's not, you know, and, and, and they traded him. And I think that's, I think that's a respectable thing to do. I think it works for everyone. I'm happy about it. Um, I'm going to miss the dude, but there was no future for him here. There, there just wasn't. And that was very clear. And once you reach that point with your veterans, that's the, that's the main question. Do especially because the Broncos are in a re- rebuild. I mean, they are now. They, they, they've been trying to avoid it for years, but they, they are in a rebuild. And I think Sanders being traded finally announces that fact. And so what you have to keep asking yourself is what players are going to be part of this team in the next three, four, five years, you know, when the when the window opens again, um, because I don't think you're that close to another opening. I don't think it's going to be 2020. And of course, that's going to bring up the quarterback situation, which we'll talk about more probably in the, in the second segment um, after we we hear what the skipper dude has to talk about. He's going to send me his um, his segment later today. So I don't know what he's exactly what he's going about. I know he's going to talk about John Elway and John Elway what he needs to do to stay off the hot seat. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what he has to say about that. Um, anyway, again, later on, we'll talk about Drew Locke, Joe Flacco, and what John Elway should do with the quarterback situation. But right now, I do want to talk a little more about who who else should be traded on the team. And of course, there have been rumors about just about everyone on the roster. I, I, I saw, I, I think, and I, I don't want to say this wrong, but I think it was the fan, it may have been Denver Post on Twitter, put out a poll about who the Broncos should trade next. And I think on that list were, it was Wolf, um, Harris Jr., Von Miller, and Justin Simmons. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, Miller, I kind of get because he's getting older. You know, he costs a lot and he's not on a winning team. Um, Simmons, I really hope that was kind of a joke. I hope they were kidding. I mean, why on earth do you sell a really good young safety who could be a, a building block for this defense just doesn't make sense. That's see, see, this is this is exactly a good point right now. This is where we have to start. The Broncos absolutely should not in any possible way become the Miami Dolphins. They should not tank. They should not trade, you know, their their Minka Fitzpatrick's, you know, their, their Justin Simmons. Simmons has turned out to be a Pro Bowl caliber player. If he keeps playing like he's playing now, absolutely he should be a Pro Bowler. He's turned into an absolute stud. That's the kind of guy you keep. He's young. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for him. You're going to have to you know, give him a new contract. But that's okay. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. You don't trade young, proven talent for draft picks that are completely unproven talents. I mean, that it, it's just, that's a brain-dead idea for me. I mean... Like, like, like Miami, what are you doing? Why do you trade Minka Fitzpatrick? I mean, I get it if he's just, he's not going to play for the team if he's going to give up. Okay, I, I kind of understand, but I've never heard even a whisper of that from Simmons. The dude is a leader. He's vocal. He's eloquent. He's a guy who just, he seems to get it. He balls and he's extremely talented. Why in the heck would you trade him? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And of course the Broncos shouldn't, and I, I really don't think they will. And so, okay, so let's just take Simmons out of it. Dumb question, dumb poll. Um, Von Miller, of course, is the big question. And, and, and I've gone back and forth myself on this, but not not this year and, and not anymore. I mean, I've mentioned it. I've said, yeah, you know, they should consider it. And I, if, if someone offered them like four first-round picks, okay, yeah, I get it. Because, you know, by the time the Broncos are in a contention window, 
you know, he's going to be pretty old. And that that's just the simple truth of it. Now, he's still one of the greatest pass rushers in the NFL. I believe he's, he's having a down year statistically. But if you watch the tape, he's still he's still playing hard. He's still a game changer. And it's a good defense. I mean, they're a top five defense right now. I know it's hard to believe, but statistically they are. And a big part of that is because Von Miller is getting double teamed and clearing things up for everyone else. And so don't don't just look at his sack numbers or his tackle for loss numbers and say, wow, this guy's garbage. He's not. Watch the tape. And I think that this is something, and I'm going to go a little off topic now. This is something that is really, really affecting the NFL right now. And, and fans, fans are so, they've gotten so reliant and so obsessed. And this is kind of your smarter fans, I should say, your, your, your podcasters, your bloggers. They've gotten so obsessed with with pro football focus and stats and numbers and what are they doing? You know what what's the number? You know what what's Joe Flacco's QBR? What's his quarterback rating? What's and then it's like they, and then they start saying that these guys are having a great season because well look Joe Flacco's got the eleventh QBR in in football. It's like well have you watched his games? I mean the guy's not winning anything. He's not been a strength for the team. Now he's not been the biggest weakness, but that's been part of my point all season is that. People are kind of backing Joe Flacco and in other players as well. I mean, they're defending Garrett Bowles because Pro Football Focus has some weird, weird love affair with Garrett Bowles. Watch the guy. He has no clue. I mean, he has no clue. The guy does not know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to block. He doesn't know how to block without holding. And then he holds and he turns to the ref like, huh? what? What did I do? I mean, it, it's ridiculous. So, this is really becoming an issue that people are, they're not trusting their eyes anymore. It's like they're not watching the game. And that's what I try to give you. I watch the game and I just give you my opinion. Now, yeah, of course, I'll bring up stats and stats do matter, but they're not everything. They also matter with what you see on the field. Well, what do your eyes tell you? Usually your eyes are at least mostly right. If you see something going wrong, you can say, yeah, okay, there must be something there. When you start seeing Joe Flacco, and I could see last game against Kansas City, in the first quarter, I could see, yeah, okay, this is something's off with Joe Flacco, more than normal. And by the fourth quarter, the guy had given up. Given up, like we talked about last week. And and I know someone brought that up at, at the last press conference, I think, yesterday, and they said, you know, why aren't you very fiery in the huddle? And Flacco's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to change who I am, and that's who I am. If I If I changed, then, you know... I wouldn't last long in the NFL. It's like, okay, I mean, that's fair. If he's a if he's a low-key guy, but I don't like it. I mean, I just don't. Maybe he would be great for a really good team. And that that's the whole point with Flacco. If Flacco went to a really great team like the Baltimore in 2013, then yeah, he can be a guy who can lead because you don't need a vocal guy. You don't need a guy to rah-rah your team and be a leader and, and not, you know, step 12 steps backwards and get sacked. He's not that guy. He's not the guy for this team because the team wasn't ready for that. You need someone to come in and pump them up. There is still a lacking of leadership in that locker room. And I brought it up in one of the articles on MHR. You know, they asked me if they should trade Von Miller. I said, no, they, they shouldn't trade Von Miller. It doesn't make sense. I mean, he, he's, he's an all-time great. He's an all-time Bronco. And if you trade him, the cap hit is just monstrous. It's something like 20 mil. So you'd have to get just an absolute crap ton in return. Excuse my French. And I don't see that happening. So you don't trade Von Miller. But, you know, as the asterisk next to that was, okay, you know, if they don't trade him, which I don't think they will, this shouldn't be his team anymore. They haven't thrived when this has been Von Miller's team. That's just a simple fact. That's not who he is either. 
Vaughn Miller is a great Robin. He's not been a great Batman. When it was when it was Ware, DeMarcus Ware and and Vaughn Miller, Miller was great. Super Bowl MVP. But he's not the guy who, who goes out there and leads the team. He doesn't set a locker room culture, and we've seen that. That's proven. Now, you can like what I say or don't, but that's that's how it is, guys. It became his team when, when Peyton and, and DeMarcus left, and the team spiraled. Now, part of that was coaching, of course, but it wasn't all coaching. A lot of it is set by your veteran leadership in the locker room, and the veteran leadership has not been good, clearly. Again, proven. You can't only blame it on Vance Joseph, as we see now. That team, not everyone, but as a whole, gave up against the Chiefs. That's bad. That's on Vic Fangio too, but it's also on the culture in the locker room. This is your leaders. This is Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris Jr., Vaughn Miller, Derek Wolf. And when those guys can't set a culture, can't set a winning culture in the locker room, then they should go, and you need to bring in other guys who will. Now, the good news, this is not all doom and gloom. In the near future, you're going to have Wolf is going to be gone by trade or by free agency. Harris Jr. as well. Miller's going to stay, and that's fine. I love Von Miller. I think he's a great dude. I think he's good for the community. He's great for the team, but he's not a leader. Now, the good thing is, I think on offense, at least, you have guys who are stepping up and becoming those leaders. I think the defense might, too. I think Kareem Jackson seems to be a very vocal, loud dude. Uh, Justin Simmons as well. I, I hope that they kind of take over the role. People say Todd Davis is kind of the bad boy in the locker room. Okay, you know, okay. I can handle that, but you still need someone to hold it together, someone to hold it accountable. On defense, I'm not sure yet who that is. On offense, you've got Philip Lindsay, you've got Dalton Reisner, and you've got Cortland Sutton, guys that I freaking love. I love them. I mean, everything I see of them, I like. Now, I haven't seen them in the locker room. I'm not in the locker room. That's fine. You know, maybe I'm wrong. But from what I see from them on the field and, and even off the field, they look like good leading dudes. I mean, they, they just, they, they fight and they're nasty and they're rough and they're, they're, they're dogs, but I think they're also smart guys. Now I don't even want to take away from the other guys. You know, I'm not saying Wolf and Miller and all these guys are dumb. I'm not saying they're bad dudes, but I think you need this youth to change the culture and to, to make it their own. This team needs a direction. They need an atmosphere that is going to move forward. This year is going to suck. And we knew that from the start, they had a brutal schedule. They have a bad quarterback and a bad offensive line, a new scheme on offense and defense. That wasn't going to end well. It wasn't. And, and you know, it hurts. And, you know, after a game like on at, at home against Kansas City, yeah, I'm going to be negative about everything because that's what it deserved. It was a pathetic, embarrassing game, and we should feel bad about it. We should moan and complain about it. We should ask for John Elway to be put on the hot seat and Vic Fangio. Because when you when you play that badly against a rival at home in a game that if you win, you're in the playoff conversation and you play that badly, you don't show up at home. Yes, I don't regret one second of my downtrodden, depressed podcast from last week. But again, the good thing is that, look, they are building, they are going through a rebuild and, the, and, and Elway has hit it seemingly at least some of his last two draft draft choices, you know, with, with Sutton and Reisner, hopefully Locke, Fant, we'll see. 
and and they've hit with some other guys. Alexander Johnson looks like a freaking beast, man. I mean, Bosby, when he's healthy, I think he's a good get. He always made some good choices, and they've had some bad luck, too. Remember that, I mean, Callahan was supposed to be, you know, one of the top defensive backs, and he's been out all year. That's just bad luck. I mean, say what you want. Blame it on Elway. That's not his fault. That's an injury. Bad luck. <laughs> I mean, it happens. Theo Riddick getting hurt. That's just sucks. Tim Patrick. I mean, that's the NFL, and the next guy's got to step up. Now, the problem has been that Elway had a few drafts in a row that were really, really terrible, and that's been the problem because you don't have depth. Now, Elway has, has done pretty well in these last two drafts, and you can feel things shifting in the culture. Now, last week was a bad, 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 bad week, but I do think it's going to get better. The biggest question now, the biggest question, or two biggest questions, I should say, how do you get an offensive line and a scheme that can protect your quarterback and see success and which quarterback will be the guy who can bring this team finally out of the brink of, of despair and out of the world of suck? We'll talk about that up next, and I think we'll end the show with the Skipper Dude. I think I'm going to go straight back into my next segment. Skipper Dude will end the show Uh, We'll talk about the Broncos quarterback situation after this quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so I got into a bit of a, not even an argument with Joe Rolls. I mean, I, I really love Joe Rolls. I, I think he is one of the top Broncos reporters or, or analysts out there. R- truly, I mean, with a MileHighReport.com, he just, he's so good at, at, at putting out tape, analyzing tape. You know, I love his takes and I almost always agree with him. And we got into a little bit of an argument, I guess you could say, last night. It's just a very small one on Twitter. And he thinks that, you know, Drew Locke is not going to be in a position to to start and shouldn't be placed in a position to start whenever he's ready, which I believe is against Cleveland in two weeks. So he's not he's not available against Indy, but he could possibly be against the Cleveland Browns in week nine. Now, this is a tough one because... Okay, let me start with this way. Let's start with with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos right now. He's not been good. He's not been good statistically. He's had some garbage numbers. You know, in in garbage time, I mean, he's put up some numbers, but he's not a guy who's going to win you any games. That's clear, and and to me, it always was. Now, that's okay, because whatever. You know, I, I, I get why they brought him in. I don't like it. I get it because, you know, what else were they going to do? 
honestly, my opinion is you never, ever, ever, ever bring in a veteran journeyman quarterback because it doesn't bring you anything ever. And what what does it gain you? Now, now maybe if he's going to be a backup, okay. Like if he's going to be um, Nick Foles to, to Carson Wentz, all right, that's fine. But as a starter, it doesn't help. I mean, it, it makes you the... You know the, the the Detroit Lions or the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with guys who are decently expensive and you know their ceiling. Now, yeah, I guess Joe Flacco's ceiling is technically Super Bowl MVP, but yeah, no one thought that was going to happen. He's been bad for a long time, and that likely wasn't going to change. And they tried the same with Case Keenum. Case Keenum had one good year in a really good scheme that fit him perfectly with really good players around him, and they hoped that would he would you know repeat that. And the Broncos thought the same with Flacco. Okay, he had one really good year in 2013, so maybe he'll repeat it now. But you can't do that unless you have the players around him. Anyway, so I get why they did it. I don't like that they did it. I think they should have brought in anyone younger. I mean, geez, bring in Teddy Bridgewater. That was who I wanted all the, all along. And no, you can't bring in Bridgewater. You got to bring in Flacco, for goodness sake. Anyway, okay, so you bring in Flacco. It is what it is. So now the question is, what should they do now? Who, who should start? My opinion After watching the Chiefs game, and I've said this on Twitter, I've been very open about it, Joe Flacco should never, ever take another snap as the Denver Broncos quarterback. Not one. Not one. You you can't have a quarterback who gave up. And I think that's part of why Sanders left. After the game, Sanders was like, yeah, I think everyone knows what's wrong with this offense, and he's not going to say. Well, yeah, it's the quarterback, and it's the blocking scheme. Yes, it is the blockers. I get it. It is. But look at New England's blocking scheme. Excuse me. New England doesn't have a great offensive line either. But you know how they make up with it? With a quarterback who can move in the pocket. This is 40, what, 43-year-old Tom Brady who can move in the pocket and make quick throws and and work with this scheme. He can see hot routes. He can see where the blitz is coming from. Flacco clearly proved he doesn't see it. He, He doesn't read the field, and he panics. There were several passes where he closed his eyes and chucked the ball. I mean, and he was talking about seeing ghosts, you know, the thing that came out with with Sam Darnold. Flacco was seeing ghosts, and he gave up. He he would get the ball, run back 12 steps, and chuck the ball out of bounds. It was absolutely an embarrassment, and everyone saw it. His teammates saw it. Look at at the fourth quarter when he started just checking it down, threw it over to Philip Lindsay, who got hammered, and everyone, everyone could see it. Everyone saw it coming. I mean, I was watching the game like, wait, dude, what are, what are you doing? And I'm not any professional quarterback, but come on, man. I mean, if you see the the the, the linebacker, I think it was, what, two yards away from Philip Lindsay, and you still pass? I mean, what are you doing? It's a bad pass. It's a bad play. And you see Philip Lindsay jump up and like almost spike the ball in frustration and screaming at Joe Flacco like, dude, what are you doing? Sanders was the same. You could see the frustration and it's mostly, I truly believe it's mostly at Joe Flacco. I've looked at the scheme and Joe Rolls, again, he's done a really good job at showing this. Joe Rolls, the, the scheme has been pretty good. The problem is the players. I like the coaching scheme actually on both sides. I actually, I, I'm really high on our coaches. I'm really not high on our talent. Part of that's the offensive line. Part of it's been because, yeah, Jawan James has been out and yeah, that was always a risk because he's been injury prone. And part of it, because John Elway just can't give up on his baby Garrett Bowles. And so, yes, it's not all on Joe Flacco. It's not. I I, I fully understand that. But a lot is. As a veteran quarterback, if you've got a bad offensive line, you have to step up. You have to learn how do you succeed 
if that's the case, either you have to be mobile, and that's not always a good option, or you just have to learn how to step up or take a hit or, or something in the pocket. See it. See your 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 open receiver. You know, you know, look at a hot route. And if you go back and look at these sacks, he was holding the ball for like three seconds, and there were guys wide open down the field. The guy gave up. He wasn't even looking at the field anymore. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, you can't have you can't keep a veteran quarterback who gave up. A rookie or something, or even like Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, okay. He's young still, you know, you can say, you can give him a little bit of a pat on the back and say, okay, yeah, that was a bad game. Really good defense. You'll be better. Joe Flacco's, he's in his mid-30s, guys. He's not going to change. He's not going to get better. He's not in his prime. He should never touch the ball again. Now, I don't think that'll be the case, of course. I think for sure he'll start against Indy, but I, I hope that's it. I, I, I'm not even kidding. I Right now, I would start Brandon Allen. You know, he just came over from from L.A., you know, I think from their practice squad or something. He's a nobody. Yeah, sure. But I would trust him more than Flacco. For one, he's going to give a crap. He's going to want to win. I don't I don't think Flacco cares. He knows he's on a bad team. And I don't I don't get any impression that he wants to raise this team to something special. I don't know his heart. I don't know the guy. I know it's harsh. I know I'm criticizing his heart and his effort, but. I mean, it's what I see, guys. It's what I saw on the field. It's just like I said earlier in the season when I said, you know, Noah Fant looks pretty slow out there. He looks hesitant. Yeah, it's harsh. It's what I see. I don't know Joe Flacco. I'm not saying Joe Flacco is a bad dude who just wants to quit. But from what I see on the field, it sure looks like it. And to me, that's something that cannot happen. Can't. It's, it's like when you're on a team, when you're working in any any field, you know, if you have coworkers who make mistakes, okay, you know, that's probably okay. But when you have a coworker who just gives up and doesn't give a crap, no, you got to go, got to go. You can't have that on your team. You see the frustration in the team. He has, Joe Flacco has no trust in his offensive line. His receivers have no trust in him. What on earth are you supposed to do as a coach? Now, yeah, you can boost your offensive line, but is that really going to help? Is Joe Flacco really going to raise the boat that much? This is a 2-5 and five team, and they're playing against Indianapolis and then Cleveland. So in short, Joe Flacco should never touch the ball again. So if it's Brandon Allen, for the rest of the way, I'm actually okay with that. Okay, so if Joe Flacco is never going to touch the ball again, what's next? When should Drew Locke start? He's available to start against Cleveland. The guy is coming off an injury. He hasn't had time to practice. He hurt his thumb in the preseason. And so the argument, of course, and this was Joe Roll's argument, is that you can't just throw a guy out there and hope he succeeds because it rarely works. A rookie is just going to get murdered behind this offensive line, and it might hurt him for the rest of his career. That's possible. Yeah, I don't even deny this. I don't disagree with Joe. Yeah, it is possible. It happens. But you know what? You have to see. You have to see. For one, you're not going to win with Flacco, so so that doesn't matter anymore. Winning doesn't matter this year, period. So you have to see what you have for the future. This is why you trade guys like Sanders. For one, <coughs> excuse me, for one, because you get draft picks, and another, because you get to see the young guys. You get to see, okay, can Deshaun Hamilton be a viable wide receiver? We will see. 
Can Juwan Winfrey? Can Tim Patrick? We'll get to know now a little bit more. You knew what you had in Sanders, and he, he wasn't going to be part of this team. So, okay, good. Next. And you have to do the same at quarterback. I, I mean, even if even if Julak's going to get killed behind the line, even if he's running a just totally simplified offense, which is probably the case, what's the other option? The only other option I can imagine, and in this, I, I can see this happening, and I can, I can maybe, maybe get behind this. Now that, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of Joe's um, arguments, and, and I, again, I really respect Joe. And so I could get behind, you pretty much redshirt him this year. You redshirt him. You know, he, he's just, you pretty much scrubbed the year. Like, it never happened. Because it pretty much didn't. He's been hurt all year, or half the year. And so if you do that, I can I can get behind that, and I think it's it's probably what's going to happen. But you have to, you have to, you have to start him week one next year. You've got to put all your eggs in the Drew Lock basket, which means you're not drafting a quarterback in the first round, even though there's some really good ones. You've got to go offensive line, you've got to go receiver, probably defensive back. You've got some good. Early picks, you got, I think, three third rounders. Oh, you know, if you trade Chris Harris Jr., maybe you get another, you know, second round pick. Eh, I don't see it happening, but I think that's what they want. And I can see that. I can see you redshirt him this year and you start him next year, but but you have to do that. I mean, we, we don't know what they're planning. We don't know what's going on there. So I, I for myself included, and, and, and Joe, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you do. I know that I've been saying you should start Drew Locke, but this is the one case where I could say, I I understand it. You you let him just, this year's a scrub. He got to watch a lot. He got to see what this offense is about. He got to learn. You redshirt him this year and you start him next year. He is your quarterback next year. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. You're just saying 2019 is a quarterback waste, which it was because, well, they brought in Joe Flacco. But you go 2020 and this is Drew Locke's team. Okay, I'm okay with that. Okay, truly. And But the problem is, I, if you do that, you really have to be sure of Drew Locke because you have to say, okay, Drew Locke is better than any of the quarterbacks we can draft in the top 10 because they're going to be a top 10 pick. And you have to be sure of that. Now, how can they be sure of that if Drew Locke has never played? You really can't. And this is the problem. This can't be Drew Locke's team unless they're sure he's the guy. And they can't be sure he's the guy unless he plays. So either the Broncos have to put faith in him, almost a blind faith, and say, this is our guy in 2020. We're running with him. We're going to see what he has. And he is a better option than any of the four or five quarterbacks we can get in the top 10 of the first round in 2020. And that's fine. I mean, I mean, really, I, that, that, that's an okay option. If that's what you decide to do, cool. But it's blind trust. You're just saying, okay, here's the hoping. And it's what they could have done this year if he hadn't gotten hurt. They, they wouldn't have because they brought in Joe Flacco, of course. Which, again, I understand. Because you don't want to get a you know a rookie just you know murdered behind an offensive line when he doesn't even know the offense. But if they if they don't have that faith in him, and you're not sure, 
maybe you go into the next season, you say, oh, Jake Fromm's available. Ooh, Herbert's available. Ooh, you know, whoever else there is, you know, the other two guys, uh, Tua or, or um, the guy from LSU now, I forget his name. Do you draft them and just give up on Joe, uh, Drew Locke, even though you've never seen him play? It's it's a hard position. It's it's really a lose lose. And so I still think you you throw him out there. You throw him out there, and he sinks or he swims. And they've done it before. It's not like he'd be the first guy to 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 you know get thrown into the league. Look at Deshaun Watson for goodness sake. Yeah, sure, Patrick Mahomes wasn't, but he's not normal. Aaron Rodgers wasn't, but also not a normal case. There are a lot of guys who've been thrown in there their first years and succeeded behind bad offensive lines. Look at Russell Wilson. Watson. So, in the end, the Broncos have to decide. If they're not sure this is Drew Locke's team, he's got to play. Has to. If they are sure this is Drew Locke's team, then fine, you redshirt him, start him next year. But what I cannot handle, what I will not be able to take, is if they redshirt him this year, they say, nope, he's not coming back. And then they go into the next year's draft and pick a quarterback because then you just wasted it. It was just a wasted pick. You can't waste second round picks, even though Elway's done it plenty. So there are two options. I'm not going to panic. I was before, honestly, I was truly on the boat. And this was even last night. So I do flip-flop. I do. I, I know I get accused of flip-flopping. Yeah, you know what? I have opinions, and then I, I read other people, I read other opinions, I research into it, I look into what has happened in the past in the NFL, and sometimes my opinions change, guys. <laughs> I mean, this happens. I'm an emotional fan. This is how I communicate. I communicate what I see and how, what I feel. <laughs> I mean, I'm not an, a statistical analyst. You guys know this by now. Anyone who listens to the show knows this. Yeah, I make mistakes. I flip-flop when I shouldn't. Even in one show. Yeah, someone someone brought this up on Twitter that I, I flip-flopped and said, okay, you know, they should they should fire Vance Joseph. And I was like, oh, well, maybe they should keep him until they find someone else. Okay, yeah, maybe that's a mistake. But, you know, sometimes you're... you're <coughs> excuse me, man, stupid cough. Sometimes your brain is working as you're talking and while, while you're on a show. Now, yeah, maybe that's lacking preparation. But you know what? It's a podcast. I, I, this is not my full-time job. This is a very, very part-time thing. You got to remember that. I'm a fan. And I've got to remember that, you know, I can't get so upset about people disagreeing with my takes. Anyway. Anyway. I hope that he, that he starts because I think that they're not sold on him. I don't think they know he's the future. And if you don't know he's the future, then yeah, you, you gotta you gotta give him a shot. Otherwise, it's 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 not good for him. It's not good for the team. Anyone's better than Joe Flacco. I, I'm not kidding. I I would put in Jano for the rest of the year over over Joe Flacco. Truly, laugh it up, but. It's the case. I don't want a loser in there at quarterback. The good things about the Broncos is that they 
have a young nucleus on offense that can be built around. Really, really true. I mean, especially if Fance turns into someone that we hope he turns into, which he's got plenty of time, guys. No panic. He makes mistakes. I think he does still look kind of slow and, and a little bit fat. But give him a little time. He's going to work it out. He's got good coaching. That's another positive. I really like this coaching staff. I, I think they do some good things. I think Fangio, yep, he's a rookie. I think he's had some rookie mistakes. But I think he is changing the culture. I think you're going to see. I've said over and over, like Michael Malone for the Denver Nuggets. He came in and, and it was rough for a few years. It took a while to, to set his team and guys who buy into his culture. But once they do, holy mackerel. Denver Nuggets are one of the best teams in the NBA, and a lot of it's because of their head coach. And I see a lot of similarities between Malone and Fangio. And so let's have some faith for the future. Let's hope that if they don't start Drew Locke, that's a good thing. That means that they're saying, okay, we believe in him. He is our quarterback next year. Now, guys, if they go into 2020 and start Joe Flacco, I mean, I'm not even kidding. I I, I might tune out for a year. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I th- th- that would be that the only reason they would do that is is so they maybe win a few more games and John Elway keeps his job. That's just it. I mean, you can't. You you have to cut Joe Flacco after this year. You have to. If they don't, oh man. I mean, I, I'll always be a, a Broncos fan. But if I truly believe that the front office is is not acting honestly, then I will tune out. I will not give them my time. I will not give them my money. And I will not support what they're doing to my team. Now, I hope this isn't the case. I don't think it's the case. I don't think John Elway's an idiot. I don't think he's a bad GM. Now, he's had, he has bad parts to his history, but I think he's fixed a lot of them. And I think there is a plan so if we don't see Drew Locke in Cleveland, I will be disappointed. But I hope that means they like Locke. They think he is the future. This year's a red shirt year. In 2020, week one, Drew Locke will be the quarterback. The 2020 draft, you pick an offensive tackle, offensive lineman in the top 10. Maybe again in the second round, you bolster the offensive line. You bring in a speed receiver. You bring in a couple guys on defense. And you ride it with a rookie, well, practical rookie, and go from there. And that's my hope. Let's not lose faith. I know it's easy. I know it's easy to blame everything on on John Elway and say he's an idiot. It's going around a lot right now. I'm mad at him too. I don't like what this team has become. And I am emotional after bad losses. And I do say Elway should be on the hot seat. And I still think he should be on the hot seat. We should, as fans, criticize bad moves and criticize what this team has become. But when we do have more time to think about it and say, okay, look, we what else? What is our choice? I mean, if he's going to be the GM, we have to have a little hope, right? Or it's just pure despair. And let's hope that John Elway has a plan. And that either that means Drew Locke is starting in two weeks or he is the future at the quarterback position starting in 2020. That's all I've got for you guys. Go Broncos. Let's hope they beat Indy. I don't see it happening. I I think this is going to be a a fairly clear loss. I don't think Denver's as talented or as well coached right now 
as the Indianapolis Colts. Now, anything can happen, but I think this team must be on an emotional low. We'll see a lot of what this team has, what they have together as you know an atmosphere and as a culture. I just hope they play hard. I hope they keep it close. I hope you see young guys show up and ball out. And I think you will. I think you'll see Simmons and Lindsey and Sutton and Reisner. And these guys, they're, they're not giving up on this team. The coaching staff's not giving up on this team. And John Elway's not giving up on this team. So let's take a deep breath. We can definitely still be mad at John Elway because it hasn't been a good product for four or five years now. But let's hope. Let's hope, hope, hope that he's figured it out and he has a plan that's going to work. Peace. Thanks as always, Kevin. So with the Broncos 2019 season having gone belly up last Thursday, I decided to take a troll around the internet and see what the mood of Broncos country was and in fact where we were with the stages of grief. You know, disbelief, denial, guilt, anger, depression, reconnection, and acceptance. And at least out among the masses, we really seem to be at that anger stage. But honestly, I was surprised at how much of that anger seemed to be aimed at John Elway. And comments have ranged from the fairly benign, Elway needs to take a vacation on draft day, to Elway needs to go. Now, if you're regular to Broncos and Prottwurst, you know that I, the skipper dude, am one of the most optimistic glass half full voices you're going to hear on the Denver Airwaves. I saw this team's ceiling at about 9-7 this year and boldly predicted not only a playoff appearance, but also a playoff victory back before the season began. And I've been one of the most vocal advocates for Vic Fangio and his coaching staff. And I've probably had as much patience with Garrett Bowles as almost any fan you'll meet, although I think my patience is pretty well exhausted with him at this point. So I thought it might be interesting to try to mix this oil and water. The casual fans torches and pitchforks for John Elway with my bottomless well and optimism and, and ask a hard question of myself. Namely, as an eternal optimist, what do I see as the length of rope that John Elway still has to work with before he loses his job? Or said another way, just how hot is John Elway's seat? As a quick teaser, I I believe there are three different areas that define an NFL general manager. And in a place like Denver, where the fan base expects to win every year, you really need to be above average in two of those three, and at least not terrible in the third. And those areas are your coaching staff, your quarterback, and the rest of your talent stack. The reason we're having this discussion today about John Elway is because Elway has face-planted on all three of these areas in the past several years, with Vance Joseph, Paxton Lynch, and the horrendous drafts of 2014, 2015, and 2017. And I'll explore these areas in some more depth in a moment. But first, I think something that people are missing out here is the big picture. Yes, I realize that Elway's tenure as team president and GM in Denver is basically a tale of two halves, the Peyton Manning half and the post-Peyton Manning half. But let's take a look at how Elway's results have borne out over his full, almost nine-year tenure. What I thought I would do would be to compare the Broncos with a couple of other storied franchises, the Steelers and the Packers, over the same period just for some context. Now, if you look at the Broncos, they've won 80 games over those last eight plus years. The Steelers have won 84. 
The Packers have won 85, so the Broncos lag a little bit behind there. But let's look at division championships. The Broncos have won five division championships. The Steelers, three. The Packers, five. Okay, all pretty much right in there. Playoff appearances, five for Denver, five for Pittsburgh, six for Green Bay. Pretty well even. Now, let's look at playoff wins. This is where you start to see some differentiation. Six playoff wins for Denver, three playoff wins for the Steelers, and five playoff wins for Green Bay. And then finally, Super Bowl appearances, two for the Broncos, zero for Pittsburgh, zero for Green Bay. Super Bowl victories, one for the Broncos, and none for the Steelers or Packers. So, I mean, those of you who are ready to get rid of John Elway, or at least look at him as being on a hot seat, you're talking about the leader of an NFL organization that has probably had on balance a better nine-year run than any other NFL organization than the Patriots and possibly the Seahawks. Oh, but Skipper, you say, you take Peyton Manning and Wade Phillips out of this picture, and Elway's been nothing but mediocre. All right, well, let's take a look and dig into that. First of all, what do you think it's the job of the vice president and general manager to do? One of his most critical jobs is surrounding himself with talented men who share his vision. He did okay with John Fox. He did very well with Gary Kubiak. Yeah, he face-planted with Vance Joseph, but he certainly struck gold with Wade Phillips. Adam Gase was a pretty nice uh, first offensive coordinator. Bill McCoy and Bus uh, Bill Musgrave were crappy decisions, but on balance, always made good, more good front office decisions than bad ones. But that said, I do believe Elway's future is riding on Vic Fangio's shoulders. And even as a hopeless optimist, I'm good with that. I think Elway has earned a mulligan for the VGA debacle. And as you know, Kevin and I both believe the VGA was more of a symptom of a broken and rebuilding organization than a cause. But that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, I'll say that if Vic Fangio loses the locker room anytime beyond this year, I think he's got a, he's got a mulligan this year. And, and heads the Broncos into yet another eight-game losing streak, then L, John Elway's days as vice president, president and GM will be and probably should be numbered. On quarterbacks, I think he has two more years to find his franchise quarterback. Locke may or may not be it. Personally, I think Rich Gangarello is going to make Drew Locke every bit of a decent franchise quarterback, but you have two fantastic quarterback drafts upcoming. And if Elway can't come out of those two drafts with his next franchise quarterback in hand, be it Locke or Tua or Herbert or some quirky deal like Andrew Luck, then again, it's probably time to move on from John Elway. Now, the last area, the overall talent stack, is the one where I see Elway taking a whole lot more criticism than I think he deserves. And here may be the hottest hot take you're going to hear all day. But as of today, Friday, October 25th, 2019, I believe John Elway is better at drafting than he is at free agency. Yes, you heard me right. Now let me explain. The pitchforks and torches crowd, of course, like to point to Elway's draft history. And yeah, on balance, it's awful. I think the optimists and pessimists can both agree that when Elway finalizes a draft board, he gets too hooked into raw talent and seems to have a blind spot for character issues like Bradley Roby and Shane Ray, and, and also for low IQ guys like Paxton Lynch and Garrett Bowles. But guys, I am firmly convinced that a light bulb went on for Elway in 2018. I know most analysts like to credit Gary Kubiak. I like to give VJ some credit as well. But basically, I believe Elway figured out that he could remain in overall charge of the draft board, 
the do the will of the draft itself. I'm sorry, do the wheeling and dealing and make the big decisions. But he gave over the building of the draft board and the final draft grades to his football people. The result, of course, has been two exceptionally solid drafts. And now he heads into the 2020 draft with a whopping 12 picks. And if you count the likely compensatory picks, and that includes three picks. In the, first, in the third round, which really should be the sweet spot for Vic Fangio as he tries to rebuild his defense. And if Elway can nail a third straight draft, I think you're going to see an overall talent stack that combined with a great head coach and your franchise quarterback, assuming that happens, is going to have this team back in perennial playoff contention. On the other end of the equation, Elway has a great reputation as a guy who can land free agent studs like Wes Welker and Emmanuel Sanders and, of course, Peyton Manning. But just like with his draft history, I think there's more to the story than meets the eye. If you look at the Peyton Manning years, and especially the legendary 2013 free agent class topped off by Wes Welker, then yeah, Elway was awesome. But guess what? These guys weren't looking to play for Elway. They weren't looking to play in Denver. They wanted a ring, and they wanted a chance to play on a team with Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning left, Elway's touch with free agency suddenly dried up. And look what he's done since. Now, 2019 was a pretty good class. Kareem Jackson is a stud and a great acquisition. Uh, Juwan James is hard to say because he's been injured. Bryce Callahan, the same, same way. He came here to play for Vic Fangio. So without injuries, the 2019 draft class has been solid. But before that, 2018 was Case Keenum, Jermaine Brock, and Clinton McDonald. Ouch. 2017 was Ronald Leary. Yeah, okay. Menelik Watson, who is a horrible, horrible signing. Dombana Pico, Zach Kerr. Yeah, okay. And then 2016, Donald Stevenson, Russell Okung, and Jared Crick. Okay, enough said there. So from a talent stack perspective, guys, we are where we are because Elway had some legendarily bad drafts from 2014 to 2017. 2016 wasn't terrible. At least you got Justin Simmons and Adam Gotsis out of that one. But these are your three through five your veterans that should be the backbone of the team right now, and they just aren't. There's no talent left from those drafts. And you add to that the fact that post-John El- post-Peyton Manning John Elway has really been fairly lousy at playing the free agent lottery, and it should be fairly clear why the Broncos are putting out a 6-10 and type of a product right now. So bottom line, as an eternal optimist, what do I think the Broncos need to ensure that John Elway keeps his VPGM job for the foreseeable future? Well, I think he has his coach in place, and I believe he chose very well. I think he has the draft day infrastructure in place that he needs to continue drafting well, as well as a ton of draft capital in 2020. And I think it really comes down to the quarterback position. Either go with Drew Locke or pick again in 2020 or 2021, but that's the decision that he can't miss on. And no, if Elway's quote-unquote, if he quote-unquote loses his job, it's not going to be by means of getting called into Brittany Boland's office and getting straight up fired. If it happens, it'll come via Joe Ellis pressuring him to pick a full-time GM and by inference stepping out of the day-to-day personnel decisions. Personally, the vibe I get from Elway is that he'd rather be an owner anyway, so it won't surprise me if he becomes a new mood point and Elway chooses to step up and not down in the organization. But for me at least, 
I think he still has a pretty decent amount of leash left. Good. Kevin, back to you. Oh, don't fall asleep. 